On Sunday mornings, as most of you know, we are in a, a series of lessons on the essential doctrines of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What What is it that we are to believe? What does the Bible teach about what's important for us to know, for us to be the kind of Christians that God wants us to be? And so last week we considered what the Bible teaches concerning the receiving of the gift of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in an unknown tongue as the Spirit gives utterance as he gives us the ability to do so. This morning, we're going to consider the importance of the believer being filled or continually full of the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at several passages in the New Testament where we have this phrase, filled with the Holy Spirit, and to understand what exactly that means. It goes beyond just that initial experience. It includes that, as we'll see. But it goes beyond that. And so we want to understand how important it is for us to daily be filled with the Holy Spirit. And this term is used in in various ways. And and to understand its meaning, we have to look at the context. And so we'll look at several of these contexts. Sometimes this phrase, filled with the Holy Spirit, is synonymous with what we considered last week, to receive that gift of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Sometimes that term is used to describe that experience, but it also goes beyond that. Sometimes it's used to speak of a special and a fresh anointing in order to do a specific work that God has called you to. And so it's, it's an enabling, a special enabling to do what needs to be done in that moment to do the will of God and to be pleasing to him. Sometimes it simply refers to being constantly led of the Holy Spirit, to be under his control, that he is the one who directs your thoughts, your actions, and your words. And so it it has more of a complete to be filled with the Holy Spirit or full of the Holy Spirit has to do with just the how your life is characterized. Are you led by the Spirit, or are you led by your carnal, deceitful desires? And so let's let's look at some of the places where this term is used. Let's go to Acts 2 and verses 1 through 4. Here we have the day of Pentecost, when the church was born, when the body of Christ was initiated, and when it was baptized into one body, into the body of Christ. Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all individually filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So in this passage, clearly being filled with the Holy Spirit is the same as receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit with that miraculous evidence that the Holy Spirit gives when when this gift is received, when the believer personally acknowledges the third person of the Trinity. He was sent I need to acknowledge him in my life. I need to recognize him. And when that experience takes place, the Holy Spirit gives that miraculous evidence of speaking in an unknown tongue. 
Now let's go to Acts 9 and verse 17. And so in this sense, it is proper when you have that initial experience of receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues, it, it is appropriate to say, I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I was filled with the Holy Spirit when I was nine years old. That, that's scriptural to, to make that statement, to use that term in that, to describe that experience. Now in Acts 9 and verse 17, we have the Apostle Paul's experience. And Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, Paul's experience was he was saved on the road to Damascus. There he acknowledged Jesus was Lord, the risen Christ. He saw him, your Lord. He believed that. So he was saved from that that moment on the road to Damascus. But it's not until Ananias comes and Paul, Saul of Tarsus, who later became Paul, he was struck with blindness, and so he needed physical healing. He received his physical healing, and he also received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then he was baptized in water. And so sometimes the the process is different. Uh, some people are saved and filled and then baptized. Some people are saved and baptized in water and then filled. Uh, but there is, there is that process, that maturing that takes place in our understanding of our walk with the Lord. In Paul's case, being filled with the Holy Spirit probably also included that special calling and anointing to be the apostle of this church age, the one that would be sent to the Gentiles. And this, the church is primarily a Gentile phenomenon. Now, it includes Jews and Gentiles, uh, but the majority certainly is made up of Gentiles. And so Paul was sent with the message to the Gentiles. He needed that special anointing, that special calling. So in this case, it probably has the dual meaning. He received personally the, the gift of the Holy Spirit and then that special anointing. Now let's go to Acts chapter 4, and we'll read verses 7 to 13. We read these terms and these words, and we read about these experiences in Scripture, and we need to understand, is this for me? Is this God's plan for the entire church age and for everyone who puts their faith in Jesus Christ? As we had last week on the day of Pentecost, Peter said it was clearly for all that the Lord calls. And so clearly these things are for us, so we need to understand them so that we might yield to them and experience them in our life. Acts chapter 4, verse 7. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? Peter was used to heal this man, and he was brought before the Jewish leaders, and they wanted to know how this healing took place, because they, they didn't like Peter preaching in the name of Jesus. Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. Now here it doesn't mean he, he started speaking in tongues. That's not what it means here. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone 
which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Now, remember, he's speaking to the ones had power to turn Jesus over to be crucified. They still have that same power. And yet Peter is speaking with this boldness. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Here in this passage, being filled with the Spirit meant Peter was fully surrendered to the Spirit's direction to have the power and the ability and the boldness to bring glory to the Lord Jesus Christ in that situation. Doesn't mean he started speaking in tongues. In fact, if he had started speaking in tongues, it would have, have had no effect at all except to think that he was crazy. But he was filled with the Holy Spirit. That is, he, he received the, the power and boldness and ability to do the will of God in that situation. That's why we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. To know that he's there, he's present, there's a, a real power and a boldness to go beyond. This goes beyond our personalities and our character that we just have naturally. Some people are bold, some people are shy. This goes beyond any of that. This is not a, uh, an arrogance that Peter had. We, we know that when Jesus was crucified, Peter denied the Lord three times. And then they all went and hid behind locked doors for fear of their own life. So that, that was their natural response. But now something happened. Not only did they receive the gift of the Holy Spirit when they recognized there's someone who's been sent to help us with this mission that we've been given. Not only did they receive that experience, but they yielded in the moment when they needed that extra power, that that special boldness to do the will of God that went beyond themselves. And so often you, you, you may find yourself in a situation when you have an opportunity to testify to somebody, and how many times have we felt that, oh, but if I do, they're going to laugh at me, they're going to make fun of me, they're going to mock me, and, and uh, then I'll be ostracized. A lot of those thoughts come, don't they, often. When you have an opportunity, you know it's there because the Holy Spirit's there to say, you know, now's the time. That's when you need to acknowledge the presence of the Holy Spirit and let him give you that boldness and that ability to do the will of God. That's what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, in our next lesson, we're going to spend a little more time, a little more detail on being full of the Holy Spirit, that is being characterized by being led of the Holy Spirit. So in, in this in this context, being filled with the Holy Spirit is synonymous with being led by the Holy Spirit, that you are characterized by being under his control and his direction. But we'll consider that in more detail. But let's go to Acts 13, where we, we read this term once again, being filled with the Holy Spirit, this time Paul, where he is given the ability to do what's necessary to do the will of God in that moment. Then Saul... Acts 13, 9. Then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit. There's that term again, so we need to examine our own life. Can, can that be said of us in circumstances and situations? Being filled with the Holy Spirit, he looked intently at him and said, O oh, full of all deceit 
and all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all uh, of all righteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? And now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately a dark mist fell on him, and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Paul, in this case, you'd have to read the full context, but being filled with the Holy Spirit, he spoke a, cur- a curse on a man who was a sorcerer. When this sorcerer tried to hinder Paul's ministry in that city, Paul was preaching Christ, and this one tried to hinder him from doing that. Well, obviously, God's work is going to be done, but he needs willing instruments that surrender themselves to do the will of God. And it takes boldness, it takes courage. And it takes, in this case, a special power to be able to do what needed to be done. That comes by being filled with the Holy Spirit. We cannot be the kind of Christians we need to be. You can't live a life of godliness without learning to yield to the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. This is why it's so important for us to to have these kinds of studies. They, They may not sound real exciting, But it's the Holy Spirit that's going to make you successful in doing the will of God. And so you have to acknowledge his presence. And again, that starts with receiving the gift. But then that's, that's not the end. Then you daily must learn to acknowledge his presence, to call upon him, to call upon your father for that special empowering, that boldness. Next time when you have an opportunity to testify to someone and that fear comes on you, take a moment in your head. Take a moment just to say, Heavenly Father, I need the Holy Spirit to take my words because I I don't know what to say or how to say it, but help me. It's that moment of acknowledgement that opens the door for the Holy Spirit to work. But if we don't even know that he's there, or if we don't take time to acknowledge he's there, then, then he can't work in us or through us. And so this is why it's so important to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And if we don't, and this is why Christendom has so many errors, if every child of God would be filled with the Holy Spirit, and then as we'll look in detail next week, to be led of the Holy Spirit, there wouldn't be such carnality among God's people. There wouldn't be so much false doctrine and error and blasphemy, because if you don't accept and yield to the power and leading of the Holy Spirit, what's left? If, you, if you're trying to be a good religious Christian, if you're trying to live the life of faith, but you reject the power of that, that life, what's left for you to do? You've got to rely on your own strength and wisdom and smarts to make it happen, don't you? And that's where we mess things up. That's where things get out of control. How often? Have Christians tried to substitute their own planning, their own energy, their own intellect for the power of the Holy Spirit? And it leads to such devastation. I'll read a commentary from a man named uh, Donner, who I don't know him, but I agree with what he says here, concerning that there's no substitute for the power of the Holy Spirit to live a Christian life. This is what he says, quote, The results of deficient attention to the study and preaching of the third person have appeared in dryness of spiritual experience, personal, a low level of Christian life, formalism in worship, public, want of discipline in the church, and want of zeal in missionary enterprise, 
That's what happens when you cut off the source of power to live the Christian life. Ask yourself, if someone was writing a book, we read the book of Acts and we read these these uh, descriptions of events and people, and we read the term and being filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter did this, Paul did that. If someone was writing a book of your life, ask yourself this, would they ever use that term about you? Being filled with the Holy Spirit, so-and-so did this, did that. I want that to be said of my life, and not necessarily by men, but by God himself. I want him to be able to write that book about me. Doug did this. Oh, he, he didn't have what it takes. He wasn't smart enough to do this. He wasn't bold enough to do that. He's got this flaw and that flaw. But being filled with the Holy Spirit, he did my will. That's what I want my testimony to be. But I have to know what that means, and I have to know how to yield to that power. Many fundamentalists reject any real and personal enabling of the Holy Spirit. Well, that's just too mystical. It's too... But then that's why we see you go into a lot of denominations and churches and you see nothing but cold formalism, rituals and ceremonies people go through. But they are powerless. They're powerless to save you. They're powerless to change your life. They're powerless to to share the gospel in its power to save individuals because it lacks the Holy Spirit. It just, it just cold formalism. And then on the opposite extreme, I always like to give the full balance here. On the opposite extreme, we have Pentecostals and Charismatics who try to manufacture the Holy Spirit. And all it ends up being is, is pure emotionalism. A lot of shouting, a lot of noise. But the Holy Spirit didn't come just to make us noisy. He came to change our lives. He, he came to give us the power to spread the gospel, to be an example of the transforming power of the gospel. And so that extreme of, of manufacturing, well, let's pretend like the Holy Spirit's moving. Let's, let's sing the same song for 50 times and see if people can get to dancing. And that's not the Holy Spirit. Now, I, I will say this, that when the Holy Spirit does move, there are times when we are very emotional because if you've experienced that kind of personal uh, ministry of the Holy Spirit where he just comes on you, these physical bodies, they're just not able to contain it. And so sometimes there is shouting and jumping. I, I don't have a problem with that. In fact, it, it can be a very refreshing time to have those kinds of experiences personally as well as corporately. And so don't, don't misunderstand that I'm, I'm making that a negative thing. When it becomes negative is, I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to have external stimuli to make it happen. No, the moving of the Holy Spirit begins within. It starts with a revelation of who God is, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then it can manifest itself in a lot of different ways. But ultimately, it will manifest in a godly life a life that's changed. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 4. For time's sake, we won't turn there, but do, do write it down so you can look at it in detail when you have time. Acts chapter 4, verses 24 to 31. After Peter and John had been beaten up for preaching in Jesus' name, he comes back to the saints to have a prayer meeting. And in that prayer meeting, Peter prays, and he asks the Lord for boldness because, again, notice if, if you were in that situation and you just got literally beaten up and threatened 
with your life, not to preach, not to say Jesus' name again, that might be a little intimidating, don't you think? I mean, we think that the kind of the snide remarks from people, that's intimidating. Well, how about if they just beat you up? And some places around the world, they'll kill you for that. That's a little intimidating. Lord, how can I? You, you've told me to, to preach, preach the gospel to every creature. And these people say, if I do it, I'm going to get killed. How can I possibly go out and preach Jesus again, live Jesus? Peter prayed, Lord, give me boldness. I can't do this on my own. These people have power. He asked for boldness. And what happened? If you want to glance down through verse 31 there. In answer to that prayer, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Again, it doesn't mean that they all spoke in tongues again. And they may or may not have. I don't know. But, but that's not what it means. They were, had, these people had already received the gift of the Holy Spirit, that initial experience. But in answer to prayer, to be able to specifically do the will of God, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Saints, that's what we need. A fresh anointing. This is why those who say, you know, well, uh, back in, uh, let's see, I don't want to touch anybody's toes, so I'll go back way back. Back in 1900, I was filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, that's fine, but what are you doing for the Lord today? What are you doing? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Now, you don't lose the Holy Spirit. You're still the temple of the Holy Spirit. He's not gone, but you just shut him in a closet. You need to give him control. Let him stir up that life of Christ in you. Acts 13, I believe we need a fresh anointing to stir us up. Acts 13, verses 49 to 52. And the word of the Lord was being spread throughout all the region. But the Jews stirred up the devout and prominent women and the chief men of the city, raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and expelled them from the region. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and came to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit here is just that fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit, the refreshing presence, not on living on past experiences, not living on past accomplishments and doing the will of God. So many Christians, it's, well, I did this one in, in year so-and-so, and I did that, and, and I've, I was such a good Christian. <laughs> Today, I need the Holy Spirit. Oh, I thank God for what he did in me and through me that I knew wasn't me. I thank God for the privilege to be the instrument of vessel of clay that possesses this treasure within me. I thank God for what he's done in me and through me over these years. But today, until I take my last breath, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit today. And this is something we have to daily seek. This is being the kind of Christian God wants us to be. It's not marking dates. Well, I was saved then and I was filled here and I had this experience. It's waking up today and say, Lord, I need you today. Thank you for what you've done. And, and that's such a wonderful foundation for me to know how faithful you are. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. But I need you today. I want to be filled with the Spirit today to do your will, to do it with joy, to do it with boldness like these saints did in Paul's day. Let's see here. So many good thoughts here that I... Well, let's go with Isaiah 40. We read this last week, but this is still something that I think is part of this 
being filled with the Holy Spirit on a daily, daily basis and having the boldness and the strength and the ability to do the will of God in every moment. Isaiah 40, verses 29 to 31. Make this a part of your personal prayer life, your devotions. Acknowledge the person of the Holy Spirit in your life. Isaiah 40, 29 to 31. He gives power to the weak. We've seen that in Paul and Peter, haven't we? And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. That's why you can't fabricate this power. Your natural power and abilities and talents, it's not going to get the will of God done. You, you can't do it in your own power. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Verse 31. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Waiting requires a cost. Because you're, when you're waiting on the enabling and the leading of the Holy Spirit, that means that you are taking time away from other things. I'm waiting on the Lord. You do that in prayer. That's a good place to start. Take time to stop doing everything else that you're doing and wait on the Lord. Present your needs. Peter, and when, when he prayed for the boldness, he said, Lord, you, you see how they, they oppose us. You see how they want to kill us. And if we're going to do what you've asked us to do, we're going to need some power. We're going to need some ability. We're going to need some direction. Take time to do that. Do, do you do that? I mean, we talk about these things, and they're, they're clear in Scripture, but do in the midst of all your trials and in the midst of, of the opposition of the world, do you wait on the Lord in prayer? And then the waiting upon the Lord even goes beyond the prayer closet, I believe. Sometimes we just have to patiently let God work in us and through us, but be sensitive, be attentive to how he is working. Sometimes it will shock you what the Lord will do in you and through you by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we'll close there this morning and we'll consider some other details of what it means to be daily full of the Holy Spirit. Well, let's stand as we sing a song in closing, shall we?